want to talk to you this morning on the purpose of worship. You know, why do we gather here? And we say we gather to worship the Lord, but do we truly worship the Lord together, you know, when we gather to worship the Lord? You have your Bibles this morning. Turn to Luke chapter 19, the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 35 through 40. We're going to look at a couple of other verses also this morning. As we want to talk to you about worship. I'm afraid that worship does not happen as often as what people would like to think worship happens. And I think we're going to see that here this morning. Luke chapter 19, verse 35. You know, I want to look at a familiar story here in the gospel. You know, and it began early on a Sunday morning as Jesus was walking to Jerusalem. Now, on their way to Jerusalem, you know, Jesus stops for a moment. And he tells two of his disciples, he said, I want you to go on before us. And I want you to go ahead into this nearby village. And he gave them a special assignment. In fact, this special assignment that Jesus gave these two disciples is not an assignment he had ever given before. In verse 30 and 31, here's what he told them as he gave them this special assignment. He said, go to the village ahead, and as you enter it, the village, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. In other words, this colt would be a colt that was young. It had never been ridden before. It had never been broke before. And he said, untie it and bring it here. In other words, you walk into this village, you'll see a colt tied. I want you to untie that colt, and I want you to bring that colt to me. And then Jesus says, if anyone asks you why you're untying it, you tell him the Lord needs it. So if the owner sees you taking this, don't argue with him. Just say, the Lord needs it, and walk away and bring me the colt. You see, the disciples must have wondered uh, 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 about this assignment that Jesus gave them because nowhere in the gospel accounts, none of the four gospel accounts, you know, ever mentioned Jesus riding an animal before. In fact, uh, they walked everywhere they went. So this had to be unusual because now Jesus is saying, you know, we're going into Jerusalem, uh, but we're going to stop right here. You go get me a coat and you bring that colt to me, I'm going to ride this colt that's never been ridden before into Jerusalem. Don't you think that was a pretty weird assignment? I'm sure things were going through the minds of the disciples. You know, but now he gives this unusual command for them to do this. And though it may have seemed like a strange command, they did as Jesus had instructed. Now, Jesus knew what lay ahead for him as he understood not like the Pharisees, Old Testament prophecy. Jesus understood Old Testament prophecy, not just the fact that Messiah would die, not just the fact that, you know, Messiah would be put to death, but Jesus also understood the prophecy of Zechariah concerning this. In fact, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, here's what it has to say. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to the Jews, the daughter of Zion. Shout, 
O daughter of Jerusalem. He says, why behold, now this is prophecy, okay? The king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. So what was the purpose of Jesus coming? To bring salvation. This is prophecy, okay? Lowly, now look at this, and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, a foal of an ass. So Old Testament prophecy that Jesus understood it, that's why he stopped, because wait a minute, Zechariah prophesied that when I come, I'll come riding on an ass. When I come, I'll come riding on this young foal. So that was the purpose of Jesus sending them in in order to fulfill prophecy. But I want you to notice there, he's coming to bring salvation to the daughter of Zion. He's coming to bring salvation unto the Jewish people. That was his purpose of coming. Okay? You would think by now it would have dawned on these religious people, these people who prided themselves in seeking and looking forward to Messiah, that surely this Jesus must be the one that Old Testament prophecy prophesied, you know. Uh, but again, prophecy said he was coming to bring salvation, not coming to deliver them from Roman rule. And that's what this crowd thought. That's what these people thought. In fact, that's even what the 12 disciples thought that he was coming to deliver them from Roman rule. Why? Because they didn't understand a number of prophecies, but especially this one, that when Messiah rode into Jerusalem on the back of this donkey, that he was coming to bring salvation to the people. But they didn't understand, even though it was right there in front of them. And right before their eyes was Zechariah's prophecy being fulfilled at that very moment. Now let's look at some lessons we can learn about worship from this day as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of this colt. First of all, worship involves some sacrifice. If we're truly going to worship God, it involves some sacrifice on our part. Look at verses 35 and 36. Now as Jesus rode into Jerusalem uh, to bring salvation not deliverance from the Roman rule you were told here that they brought him to Jesus or the they, they brought him to Jesus talking about the ass colt and they cast their garments upon the colt and they set Jesus there upon so as they bring this colt to Jesus they take off their coats they lay their coats upon the back of the colt and then we see them set Jesus thereupon. Now, don't miss that. Jesus didn't just climb on. You see, they set Jesus up on the back of this coat. We're going to come back to that in a moment. And as he went, they, the people, spread their clothes along the way. So the disciples took off their coats, they put it on the back of the coat, they set Jesus up on, and as Jesus began riding down that cobblestone street, the crowd began to take off their coats and lay it out before the colt with Jesus upon his back. Look, so many take worship of our Lord lightly, folks. Some think that if they've come to church, surely they've worshipped the Lord. 
There will be some in every church in the world today that leave church thinking they've worshipped the Lord and haven't even come close to worshiping the Lord. You see, they, they think, well, I sang the song, so surely I must have worshipped the Lord. Still others feel that they've endured a long, boring sermon from pastor, okay? So surely they sacrificed something listening to that long, boring sermon. Surely I must have worshipped the Lord. And, 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 and though you may feel like showing up to church this morning was a sacrifice on your part, though you may feel that singing those newfangled songs that Debbie picked out this morning was a sacrifice, and my gosh, they was up on the screen. We didn't even have a book to hold in our hand. I really had to make a sacrifice to look up on a screen rather than down in a book. Look, you may have feel, feel like, you know, listening to another sermon from Brother Gene is more than a sacrifice. Look at here. Worship involves a sacrifice of personal things. Don't miss that in this lesson. For most people, they have no problem sacrificing out of abundance. They have no problem sacrificing of things that are of little value to them or things that they don't hold dear. This was the problem with Cain. You remember the story of Cain and Abel? This was the problem with the sacrifice that Cain brought before the Lord, and that's why the Lord rejected the sacrifice that Cain brought before him. You see, Cain didn't give of his best. You know, he didn't give of what cost him something. Rather, he gave out of the abundance of the fruit that he had look but these disciples and these people in the crowd they took the very coats off of their back we're told these disciples placed them on the back of that coat the people laid their coats down in the street in order to make them a ride more comfortable for jesus christ you see it was no doubt the best coat they owned because it was probably the only coat they owned and here they were sacrificing their coat in order to make the ride easier for Jesus Christ. But they had no problem making the sacrifice in order to honor the Lord, whom they thought was coming to free them from Roman rule. You see, here's the thing. Many miss out on worship of our Lord because they're not willing to make the sacrifice that's going to prepare them for worship. Let me say that again. Many miss out on worship of our Lord because they're not willing to make the sacrifice that's going to prepare them for worship. They're not willing to give of something that means something to them. They're not willing to give to the Lord something of value in order to prepare their heart for the worship of God. There's a saying that says, nothing in life is free. Why do you think so many people get caught up in scams? I mean... If, you gotta, if you're on the Internet, there's scams every day. Why do you think so many people get caught up? Because they think things are free. Listen, there's nothing in this life free, folks. Okay? So don't get caught up in it. And worship is the same thing, folks. Worship is something that as we come before God, it costs us something. 
There's a price to be paid to truly come into the presence of God. It takes our willingness to sacrifice something that means something to us if we're truly to worship God. We must be willing to sacrifice of our time in order to truly worship God. We must be willing to sacrifice sometimes traditional beliefs in order to worship God. We must sometimes have to sacrifice finances in order to worship God, something that we hold dear. We've got to be willing to lay down before the Lord just like they laid their coats down. But isn't it amazing? Sometimes those things we hold dear, we want to hold close to the chest. We don't want to give them to the Lord. What price are you willing to pay in order to truly worship God this morning? Now, the second thing is this. Worship involves the sacrifice of things that we hold dear. That's what we just said. But... Now, I don't believe, now listen to me closely here, and, you know, this kind of gets under my crawl when people say, here's what worship looks like, okay? Listen to me. I do not believe that anyone can say, here's what worship looks like, and if you're not doing it this way, you're not really worshiping God. Anybody who will tell you that, pay no attention to them. There's no such thing as here is what worship looks like. And if you do it any other way, you have not worshipped God. Worship is something that, you know, uh, uh, for some, you know, worship is, involves lifting hands. You know, that's the way some worship the Lord. You know, for some, worship might mean quiet meditation, just sitting there and meditating upon the Lord. You know, still for others, it may be falling prostrate before, you know, the, th- the, the altar of God. Worship of the Lord, folks. In essence, it's a heart issue. That's what the heart of the, that God looked at, is the heart. And there's different forms of worship. There's different ways of worship. And no one can say, if you don't do it this way, you hadn't really worshipped the Lord. Look, for instance, let me give you an instance here. You may have been brought up in a very traditional church of which lifting of hands, clapping during a song, or even shouting with discourage because, after all, that's what those Pentecostals do. You know, that's what those Pentecostals do. And if we allow that to go on in our church, the next thing you know, we're going to have 80-year-old women jumping pews and falling down on the floor and flopping around like a fish in a boat. And God forbid, you know, some of them even may want to talk in them unknown tongues. So, no, we got to keep things in order. Folks, that may not be the way God desires you to worship him. Because, again, God looks at the heart. Lifting up hands doesn't necessarily mean you're worshiping the Lord if your heart's not worshiping the Lord. Jumping up you, you know, you, you know that's not worship if your heart is not worshiping God. It's a heart issue. And because of your upbringing, some people hold these things dear. And that's fine unless the Lord is requiring you to sacrifice those things to him, those traditional beliefs, and worship him by lifting up your hands. Maybe, you know, putting your hands together during that song that just means a lot to you and, you know, kind of getting in the beat. Now, I'm just going to admit to you that I can't get into a beat. And Debbie will testify this, right, right, baby? Me and her went to Tony Evans' church one time. 
Now, them black folk, they don't know how to clap. Okay? You know, they clap on the offbeat. So here we are in Tony Devin's church, and I'm the only one clapping right. Debbie looked at me, and she said, you ain't clapping right. I said, yeah, I am. They're all clapping wrong. You know? In fact, Brother Gerald asked me one time, you know, about patting my foot while I play the bass. You remember asking me about that, Gerald? You know, he said, I don't see you patting your foot when you play the bass. I said, I can't. If I pat my foot while I'm playing the bass, I get off beat. Okay? So, you know, look here. You know, putting your hands together during that song, even if you're clapping on the upbeat and everybody else is on the downbeat, if that's the way you worship the Lord, then clap your hands. If the way the Lord's directing you to worship Him is lifting your hands, lift your hands. Look, maybe He wants you to, maybe He just wants to test your heart to see just how serious you are about worship. Look, humility. Here's the key. Humility will allow one to sacrifice what they hold dear will, where pride will keep them from doing so. You humble yourself before the Lord in worship. You humble yourself, okay, and you'll be willing to make that sacrifice, whatever it might be. But if pride is saying that's not the way we do it, that's not the way I do it, that's not the way it should be done, then you'll never worship the Lord truly. Look, the disciples place their own garments on this coat in order to show their reverence and love for the Lord. What are you willing this morning to sacrifice for your preparation of worship? Now, the next thing is worship involves lifting up Jesus. Okay? Remember, what did we point out when we read this, Pastor? They set Jesus upon the coat. In other words, they lifted him up and they placed him on that coat. Look, everything we do, folks, should be done to lift up Jesus, not to do to make ourselves feel better, not to do in order to pump ourselves up with hype. Look, there's a lot of things that go on in a lot of churches that they call worship, who is nothing, what is nothing more than an activity to make themselves feel good. You see, worship is not to make yourself feel good. Worship is to not make yourself look more spiritual or feel more spiritual. Worship is to lift up Jesus Christ and to lift him up only. On the other hand, you can't worship if all you're doing is looking around at the things you don't like. You know, that's not worship either if all you're doing is sitting there. I don't know, Jerry, he just lifted his hand. You know, oh, Pam, she pats her foot when she plays that piano and makes it go up and high down here. If all you're doing is looking around, seeing what others is doing and saying, that's not the way I believe it should be done, you're not going to worship the Lord. It can't be done. We must lift up Jesus. Worship is not about, not about you. Worship is about Jesus. It's all about lifting him up, not lifting myself up. Now the next thing, number two, worship of Jesus must be done for the right reason. Now, if there's a right reason, it would stand to, wrong, uh, stand to be that there's a wrong reason. Okay? Now, here's what we see. I don't want you to miss this important part of this story. Though the people were worshiping the Lord, many of them was doing it for the wrong reason. Okay? Look, worship can be unacceptable if it's done for the wrong reason. And a lot of people are doing it for the wrong reasons. 
and their, quote, so-called worship is being rejected by God. It's not being accepted. Let, let, let's talk about that, okay? In verse 41, you see as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he stopped, he wept, okay, as he looked over the city. You remember that. He's coming into the city, he stops, and he just begins to cry. He begins to weep over Jerusalem. Now, why would Jesus weep for the people that were about to worship him as he entered the city? Do you think Jesus knew they was going to worship him? You better believe he knew it. So why would he stop and weep? He wasn't weeping tears of joy, folks. He was weeping tears of sorrow because he knew when he walked in or rode in on that colt that people would worship him, but it would be for the wrong reason. The people would not be worshiping him because they knew he was bringing salvation. The people would be worshiping him because they thought he was the military leader they had been waiting on. Therefore, he knew these people are going to worship me, but they're doing it for the wrong reason. They're doing it for the wrong reason. Remember, these people had their own preconceived idea of what Messiah would be, what would Messiah do, why Messiah was coming. They had not heard his messages of peace. They didn't understand the purpose of his coming for salvation. They had eyes, but they didn't see. They had ears, but they hadn't heard. You see, they missed the whole point of the message of God and the prophecy that he had given them. Helen Keller once said these words, The only thing worse than being blind is to have sight with no vision. Say that again. Helen Keller. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Look, though these people had their sight, they had no vision of who Messiah was and how sad. They had no vision of what he actually come to do, even though prophecy was clear. You see, the fact that they waved these palm branches showed, and we'll get into this a little bit in a moment, but the, the fact that they waved these prom, palm branches showed that they didn't understand because that's exactly what they did when the Maccabees overthrew the Syrian oppressors uh, and, and reestablished worship in the temple. They laid down the palm leaves. Why? Because it was a military endeavor. All of this because they didn't recognize Messiah when he came. And how different their lives could have been. Think about that. How different their lives could have been if they had a recognized and had vision and had understanding that he was coming in to bring them salvation. Think of how different their lives would have been. Think about how different the history of Israel could have been if they had only had sight, if they had only had vision and recognized the one that was coming in their midst you know, riding on this colt as Zechariah had prophesied was coming to bring to them salvation, but yet they was worshiping him for the wrong reason. They was worshiping him as a military leader, not as the one who would bring salvation to them. Now, the next thing is this. Worship of, our, or worship of, uh, of God involves giving thanks to him. Look at verse 37 and 38. And when he was come nigh, even now, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, 
the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. So as Jesus draws closer, what we see is the crowd begins to grow. The crowd begins to grow, okay? No longer is it just the 12, but now there's hundreds and possibly thousands of people lining the roadway, welcoming their king, welcoming their deliverer wanting to worship him as the one that was going to free them from Roman rule. Here they are, praising God. No doubt this crowd was probably calling to mind, you know, the miracles that they had witnessed at the hand of Jesus. You see, the key is we must praise God for all that he has done, and that's what we see them doing there. You know, they were saying, blessed is, or they were saying, you know, with a loud voice and worshiping him for the mighty things that they had seen. So, not just for what he has done, we have to worship him, but all that we have witnessed at his hand, folks. Listen, no doubt those in the crowd were beginning to call to mind the miracles that they had seen, the miracles that they had witnessed at the hand of Jesus how he had restored sight to the blind, how he had raised Lazarus from the dead, how he had made the cripple walk. Can you imagine the worship that could spring forth here this morning in Fairview Baptist Church? You know, if we would fall before the Lord and rather than treating him like Santa Claus and giving him our wish list, that we would just fall down before him here this morning, that we would just fall before him this morning and praise him and thank him for what we've witnessed him do within our life. That we would just fall down before him and praise him and thank him for what we've seen him do in the lives of others. That we would just fall down before him and not give him our wish list, but just praise him for the, 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 the healings that we've seen him do in the lives of our loved ones, our friends, our family. Folks, that's when worship breaks out is when we lift up Jesus, when we praise God for what we have seen him do, not because we're asking him to fulfill our wants, to fulfill the things that we want in life. Look, selfish requests will never lead one into worship. Say that again. Selfish requests will never lead one into worship of God. And if we would be honest, for many, the only time they come before the Lord is when, you know, they want something and then they have the nerve to call it worship. How sad. The only time some come into the presence of God is when they want something or they need him. And then they say, yeah, I'll worship the Lord. No, you haven't. If you haven't lifted up Jesus, if you haven't prayed him for the things that he's done into your life, you have not worshiped God. We don't come into worship to give our wish list to the Lord. We come to worship to praise him and thank him for what he's done. Now, here's another thing. True worship of Jesus, okay, is going to upset some people. Think about that. Look at verse 39. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude these Pharisees, these religious leaders, 
These guys that knew Old Testament prophecy frontwards and backwards, these educated seminary graduate religious people, here's what they told Jesus. Rebuke your disciples. Rebuke these people that are worshiping you. Wow, how sad. How sad. Let, let, let's talk about this for a moment. Not everyone who calls himself a believer will be comfortable with our true worship before God. And that's what we see there. They called themselves true believers. They called themselves true people of God. Now, let's break this down. There are two reasons why the uh, Pharisees were upset with the worship of Jesus. First of all, Jesus was a threat to their way of thinking. This is not the way we think. This is not the way we believe. And the second thing is, Jesus was not only a threat to their way of thinking, but Jesus was a threat to their way of teaching. This is not the way it should be taught. This is not the way that we would teach this. Notice where the Pharisees were. They were among the crowd. Hmm. They had done, kind of blended themselves in with the crowd. They, they was there, you see. But Jesus shut them up. Real quick, Jesus shut them up. John, put that other thing up there, please. So they can fill in their blank. There you go. Thank you. They cried, you know, tell them they're doing it all wrong. Can you, can, can you just kind of picture as people are, you know, laying these palm leaves down as they're praising Jesus, again, for the wrong reason, okay? And here are these religious people spread out throughout the crowd hollering, they're doing it all wrong. Tell them it not, should not be done that way. Tell them that's not our way of thinking. Tell them that's not why our teaching. You know, that's not how we do it. Tell them we're Baptists and we've never done it this way before. Never heard that one? <laughs> you've been in a Baptist church very long, you've heard that one. We're Baptists and we don't do it that way. You know, that's a Pharisaic attitude. That's a Pharisaic attitude. And that's exactly what these Pharisees, these religious leaders were doing. You see, religious people are not always comfortable with our worship of God because it goes against their preconceived ideas of how things should be done. Now, the fifth thing is this. Worship of Jesus is inevitable. In other words, it's going to happen. Look at verse 40. So the Pharisees are hollering, we've never done it this way before. Pharisees are hollering, this goes against our way of teaching. This goes against what we believe. This goes against what, you know, our way of thinking. Shut your disciples up. Stop them from worshiping this way because that's not the way we do it. And he answered and said unto them, okay, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, in other words, if I should tell the, uh, the, the crowd to stop worshiping me, even though they're doing it for the wrong reason, okay, he said, if I tell them to hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out to God. Hmm. What did Jesus mean with that? You see, Jesus told these religious people who were uncomfortable with their worship and the way that it was taking a place that worship was going to happen like it or not. Worship of God is going to happen like it or not, he was telling them. If humans don't do it, he's saying nature will. 
because God will be worshipped. If God's people refuse to worship him, he said the rocks will, or God, or, 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 but God will be worshipped. You see, Jesus' coming was an event of such importance. His coming to Jerusalem, his coming to die on the cross for you and me, his anticipated coming to raptures out of this world, Jesus' coming was an event of such importance that it ought to be celebrated in some way and would be celebrated regardless. Look, because of who he is, God incarnated in the flesh, because of what he did, gave his life on the cross in our place, because of what he's going to do, split that eastern sky one day and bring all of his people out of this old evil world, our desire should be to worship and praise him. To worship and praise him. He was saying to the Pharisees, it would be impossible to restrain the people and improper to do so. Look, God who is able out of these stones to raise up children to, uh, to Abraham would make the stones speak or turn the stones into men who should rise up and praise the Lord and confess Messiah. Either way, Jesus was saying, either way, praise is going to happen. Praise is going to happen. Look, closing, let me say this. Today, just like the city of Jerusalem, we find ourselves in the presence of Jesus. This morning, you're in the presence of Jesus. Okay? You with me so far? You're in the presence of Jesus. You're in the presence of God here this morning. And I wonder if he finds, when, we, when he looks into our faces and into our hearts this morning, what does he find? I want you to just stop and get personal with yourself for a moment. As he's looking into your face this morning, as he looked into the face of the crowd, as he's looking into your heart this morning, as he looked into the hearts of that crowd, realizing they're doing it for the wrong reason, what is he seeing with you this morning? Are you truly here to worship him this morning, or are you only here because it's a Sunday morning? And we're in East Texas. We're in the Bible Belt. And it's only proper to be in church on Sunday morning. You know what? You'll never worship the Lord if that's the case. What is he seeing as he looks at you this morning? Does, it, does he see people who recognize him for who he truly is? The Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, the one who gave his life in order that we could be saved. In other words, just as he came to bring salvation to Jerusalem, folks, he came to bring salvation to you and to bring salvation to me. And if we worship him because of that, if we lift up praise to him because of that, it's going to be proper worship, and it will be accepted by him. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking for true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So as he looks at you this morning, is that what he sees? Or is he seen like he saw with that crowd going into Jerusalem. They're worshiping, but it's for the wrong reason. It's unacceptable worship. 
Does he see a people who are selfish? Or does he see a people willing to do whatever to lift up Christ? Or does he see a group of people who are, are content with the status quo and unwilling as the Pharisees to give him the worship due? Look, when he, when he turns and looks into our life, I wonder, will he weep once again? I want you to stop and think about this for a moment. As he approached Jerusalem, he knew the people would be worshiping, but he knew they would be doing it for the wrong reason. And he stopped and he wept. Tears began to run down his cheeks because he knew it would be improper worship. This morning he's on his throne looking down at Fairview Baptist Church. Now, is he weeping this morning because as a whole he sees Fairview is not worshiping him for the right reason? Improper worship? Or can he look down at Fairview Baptist Church this morning? By the way, who's Fairview Baptist Church? We are. So is he looking down at Fairview Baptist Church this morning and rather than tears streaming down his face because he... He, he's seeing improper worship. Rather, he's kind of hitting God in the ribs there saying, man, look at my people. They're worshiping. They're doing it correctly. They're worshiping out of a sincere heart. They're worshiping, you know, out of a selfless spirit. What does he see this morning? When, it, when, when he turns and he looks into our lives again, I wonder if he's going to weep at what he sees about Fairview? Or will he accept our worship this morning as being genuine and for the right reason? And again, what about you personally? Because you make up Fairview Baptist Church. What about you personally? Have you experienced worship of the Lord this morning so far in our service? You know, some people think that the song service is worship. And I can't tell you how many people I've heard say, boy, worship was good this morning. Well, what do you mean? Well, all the songs. No, the songs is not the only part of worship. Folks, this is worship. Breaking open the word of God together, asking God to speak to us through it. It's all worship. And here in a moment, we're going to have an invitation, you know, and, and that, 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 that takes the worship to another level. You know, am I going to, during this invitation, praise God for what he's done in my life, praise God for what he's doing in my life, praise God for what the future is in my life? Will we allow our worship to continue during the invitation? Don't just come here this morning. Give God your wish, wish list and walk out that door and say, I hope he fulfills my wish list because I worshiped him this morning. No. Not if all you've done was come here to give him your wish list. Praise God for who he is. Lift him up this morning. He's looking at the heart. And again, your worship may entail the lifting of your hands. Your worship may entail just in quiet meditation where you are. Your worship may entail coming up at this altar and just laying out before God, lifting him up in prayer, or lifting him up in praise. But worship God the way God leads you to worship. And don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about people who may be looking at you and saying, that ain't the way it's done. Because they have no idea how it's done. Or they would be doing it. 
Look, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you're not really able to worship the Lord because you don't know the Lord. You don't have a relationship with the Lord. And during this invitation we're going to have in just a moment, we want to give you the opportunity to enter that relationship with the one who came to die in your place. So in a moment, as we stand and sing a song in just a moment, why not you come if you don't know Christ as your Savior? Let us introduce you to him. But if God is leading you this morning to come down to this altar and lay out before him and worship him, then do it. If he's leading you just in quiet meditation where you are to worship him, then worship him. However he leads this morning, let's just follow the leadership of his Holy Spirit. Let's go to him in prayer at this time. Let's pray. I worship you for you.